Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. You know, we've paved a lot of roads on this program over the last two months. We've had a lot of backbenchers follow us. I like when they say, as I've been saying for weeks. Actually, they've been saying very little, but gibberish for weeks. They're not sure how to stake out their position. I stake out my position after giving it an enormous amount of thought. If I'm wrong, I will tell you. But I've been right every step of the way here. Not because I'm an expert, not because I'm a physician, not because I'm a statistician or any of the sort. I use rationality, I use reasoning, I use experience, I use objective thinking. I'm not driven by ideology when it comes to this healthcare issue and a virus. Why would you be driven by ideology? The reason why the left attacks me, among others, but I've been on the air and constantly here, and the reason why the left is attacking me is because I'm raising questions about the models and the numbers that we've been given. And for the left, and that includes the media, it includes Pelosi and Schumer, the worse this gets, the more tyranny they can impose on the people. The worse this gets, the more we're dragged from our Constitution and our principles. The worse this gets, the more spending there is. That is, their ideological agenda advances. Ours does not. Ours is punished. It's damaged. And in some cases... It may be irreparably destroyed. I know of no individual who serves in Congress or in the executive top levels of the executive, including my beloved president and vice president, who are rationally thinking about spending. They haven't been put together the spending bill yet, and yet everybody supports it. And I tell you, and my, my circle of even friends and not so much family, it's getting smaller and smaller and smaller in this regard. I've made calls to friends of mine in various businesses. They all want loans. They all think this is important. And they're all afraid of deficit spending and the massive debt. All of them. Every single one of them. We are never going to get this spending under control. Mitch McConnell's pushing now 250 to $350 billion, he says, in more spending for small businesses. Why didn't they focus on that in the first bill that they celebrated and patted themselves on the back? You need to understand something. Washington, D.C. understands one thing. Tax and spend and borrow. That's all they know. That's all they know. And they do it for different reasons. The president, Mitch McConnell, and the Republicans think this is going to really jack up the economy at some point. 
And they think they're saving small businesses and jobs. They're not. For the Democrats, it's more the same. You can never turn back. This will be a baseline forevermore. Forevermore. As they seek a, not democratic socialism, democratic fascism. Oh, Mark, that's oxymoronic. Don't blame me, that's them. Now, here's the problem. We've got to take these technocrats, Dr. Fauci and Dr. Burks, and move them back, back to the advisory role they're supposed to have. They're not decision makers. They're experts, and there's experts who disagree with them. These are experts that have told us, Fauci, one day he promotes a model, the next day he poo-poos models. One day he promotes the whole idea models, the next day he trashes the whole idea models. One day, we're going to have the worst two weeks in American history. It's Pearl Harbor. The very next day, we're flattening the curve. I'm trying to follow this as carefully as I can, just as you are. We have media outlets who insist that doctors should not be able to prescribe chloroquine, even if the doctor and the patient believe that this is what's needed. Now, why are they taking that position? Because the president supports it? What kind of media is this? It's outrageous. They take shots at me. Shots at me because I won't agree with the high fatality rates that we've been fed for the last two months. And it turns out I happen to be right. Why? Because some of the scholars who have challenged this Men and women from Yale and Stanford and the University of Chicago and other very prominent institutions have pointed out defects in these models and defects in our data collecting, which are absolutely unequivocally correct. That is, they're pointing out these defects. And they've been proven right. And I'm supposed to ignore them. I'm supposed to take the worst number possible. Now, the media wants you to take the worst number possible so you can surrender your liberty. Every time the president even hints at trying to open up parts of the economy, they attack him. And I've been pushing this now for six weeks. All this spending crap is not going to create jobs. It's not going to save businesses. Maybe they'll hold on for a little while. That's it. You must open the economy. And there are many places where you can do it. Look at what Major League Baseball is talking about. Look how creative they are right now. That a whole bunch of games would be played in Arizona where a lot of the teams are practicing. That the teams would stay in certain hotels where there would be, you know, where they would be segregated, one from the other. The stands would basically be empty, and it would be televised. That is creative thinking. Every business has a creative idea, or virtually all of them that want to stay in business. I can give you an example. My local vet, he and I are buddies. If you need medicines, if you need special prescription food and so forth, you don't come into the vet. They bring it to you at the door. If your dog needs surgery... You get a mask, you get gloves, you bring the dog in, the dog has the surgery. When it's over, and the dog is doing better, then the dog is provided to you, 
If, God forbid, you have to put your dog to sleep or your cat, whatever animal, you wear a mask, you wear your gloves, you come in, and they address it that way, but they're still in business. Now, he's lost an enormous amount of his business, but they're still in business. Talk to a friend of mine who has a restaurant. He's scared to death of this virus. I've thrown some suggestions to him, and he's thinking about them. He's got a truck, a food truck. Open the food truck. Put it right on your parking lot. You can sell hot dogs and hamburgers. They got town workers, local workers. <clears throat> While all this is going on, they seem to be working. They're, 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 they're tearing up the road in front of his restaurant. They're expanding it, widening it. They're going to put in special sidewalks and parking, whatever the hell they're doing. Go ahead. Open up your, your, uh, your truck. People have to stand six, eight feet away, fine. And then have a table out there. Put the food wrapped up in aluminum foil or what have you on the table. The people come, they pick it up. And that's how the customers work. There are many, many ways around this. Many ways around this. But you have left-wing Democrat governors, let's be honest, some Republicans, but mostly left-wing Democrat governors, California, Oregon, Washington State, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, who don't think that way. And with all due respect to Drs. Fauci and Burks, this stuff never even enters their mind. How food winds up on their plate doesn't even enter their mind. They have a specific expertise and a specific focus. They cannot drive the national answer. They cannot drive the national answer. A friend of mine deals with investors. He's not an investor, but he deals with them. He says, you know the old saying, that people who sell whatever it is, bonds, stocks, whatever it is, oversell them. They've oversold the death rate. They oversold it last weekend, weekend before last. When all of a sudden, out of the blue, 1.5 to 2.1 million people would have been dead if nobody mitigated. Which is an absurdity. 70, 75,000 people worldwide have died. What do you mean 1.5 to 2.1 million? Where the hell did that come from? If nobody mitigates. Tell me, if we don't mitigate the flu, how many people will die from the flu? If we don't mitigate cancer, how many people will die from it? I mean, the idea that you would have some kind of pandemic and our healthcare industry, individual hospitals even, individual doctors and nurses, even individual patients would do absolutely nothing but sit on the side of the road and kill over and die is so absurd. Yet our experts put that out there. Then we get 100 to 240,000. That's not two months ago. We got that six days ago. Now we get 82,000. So we've gone from 2.1 million to 82,000. That modeling gets an F. In other words, but the, you know, the data changes, and as the data changes, people's lives depend on what you're doing with this data. There are experts that wrote on March 17th, March 20th, March 23rd, from Stanford, from Yale, from the University of Chicago, from other places, and said the data's wrong. It can't be right. The interpretation from the data is wrong. It can't be right. And they're right. And nobody listens to them. 
We cannot have the technocrats run the country. They give advice. And then the president, the vice president, other decision makers take that advice as they would advice from anybody else and make decisions. It's Dr. Fauci who said on January 22nd and January 26th, it's on tape, that this wouldn't be, as, be about as bad as a bad flu. But Mark, he got more data. Fine! That's why you don't just follow the quote-unquote experts. Now, if I had said that on January 22nd or 26th, it'd be splashed all over the place. And I'm not an expert. He is. The CDC test kits were defective. But everybody follow the CDC now. I want to read something to you. I have asked this question now. How long, Mr. Producer? Six weeks? Something like that? How are they determining if somebody dies primarily from the coronavirus disease? Because these numbers, the way they accumulate them is the doctors are reporting them as they report all these numbers to the federal government, in particular the CDC. They give them a code. You, you know, when you visit a doctor, a lot of them have laptops and so forth. Well, you're, they're coding things, and they have codes that they have to put in that the government gives them. So on March 24th, the National Vital Statistics System, which is uh, uh, part of the uh, National Center for Health Statistics in Hyattsville, Maryland, They put out this vital alert, the COVID-19 alert number two. It's right there on their their, uh, site. New ICD code introduced for COVID-19 deaths. Now, what does it say? Well, since I ran out of time this segment, I got to tell you next segment, but you're going to want to hear this. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. If you and your family are finding yourself at home with extra time on your hands these days, I know an excellent way to fill it. Take a free online course from Hillsdale College. Hillsdale offers dozens of online courses on topics, including the U.S. Constitution, economics, history, and literature. Right in your own home, on demand, and absolutely free of charge. Hillsdale students learn the inspiring history of America. Now you can, too, with Hillsdale's newest free online course, The Great American Story, A Land of Hope. Learning and teaching our children about America's past is essential for preserving liberty in the future. Register right now to take this free online course, The Great American Story. It's a production masterpiece, and it paints a picture of America as a land of hope founded on high principles. This course and dozens of others on a variety of topics are available to you and your family for free right now. Go to levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. By the way, did you know the virus is racist and sexist? These reporters are sick. Question to the president about how minorities are, are, are more adversely affected. Ladies and gentlemen. The virus is opportunistic. It goes after certain. It goes after people with certain uh, morbidities: uh, high blood pressure, heart disease, diabetes. 
And in the minority communities, particularly in the black community, you have a higher rate of these, of these underlying pr- issues than you do in the rest of society. There's a lot of reasons for this. But this is not the time for that. You know, we're fighting this thing. This is not the time to introduce race into this. How about sexism? 61% of those who've died, according to the stats, are men. Now, why is that? Same reason. Same exact reason. Now, I want to get into the National Vital Statistics System, which is telling the doctors, here's your code for COVID-19, and this is how you code uh, for COVID-19 when it comes to deaths. How much time do I have? Not a whole lot, right, Justin? Two minutes. Let's get started. This email is to alert you, this is from March 24th, that a newly introduced ICD code has been implemented to accurately capture mortality data for coronavirus disease 2019 on death certificates. What is the new code? The new code for the coronavirus disease 2019 is U07.1, and below is how it will appear in the formal tabular list format. This is what your doctors have to do. Goes down. When will it be implemented? Immediately. Will the virus be, will, will COVID-19 be the underlying cause? The underlying cause depends upon what and where conditions are reported on the death certificate. However, the rules for coding and selection of the underlying cause of death are expected to result in COVID-19 being the underlying cause more often than not. Why is that? What happens if certifiers report terms other than those suggested terms? Irrelevant? Let's move on because they answer that properly. What happens if the terms reported on the death certificate indicate uncertainty? The death certificate reports terms such as probable or likely COVID-19. These terms would be assigned the new code. So if it's probable or likely but not definitive, the death is a result of the virus. Should COVID-19 be reported on the death certificate only with a confirmed test? COVID-19 should be reported on the death certificate for all decedents where the disease caused or is assumed to have caused or contributed to the death. That has been exactly my point. If the disease has contributed to the death or it is assumed to have contributed to the death, then the cause of death is, is the virus as reported by the doctors on their computers to the Division of Vital Statistics of the National Center for Health Statistics. I will underscore this when we return. I'll be right back. If you and your family are finding yourself at home with extra time on your hands these days, I know an excellent way to fill it. Take a free online course from Hillsdale College. Hillsdale offers dozens of online courses on topics, including the U.S. Constitution, economics, history, and literature. Right in your own home, on demand, and absolutely free of charge. Hillsdale students learn the inspiring history of America. Now you can, too, with Hillsdale's newest free online course, The Great American Story, A Land of Hope. Learning and teaching our children about America's past is essential for preserving liberty in the future. Register right now to take this free online course, The Great American Story. It's a production masterpiece, and it paints a picture of America as a land of hope founded on high principles. 
This course and dozens of others on a variety of topics are available to you and your family for free right now. Go to levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Defend liberty and defeat tyranny. Call the Mark Levin Show now at 877-381-3811. Well, the virus is now sexist and racist. It's anti-men and anti-minority. This is something that must be addressed. You know, not a vaccine for everybody, not therapies for everybody. No, no, no. It's now sexist and racist. Men in particular, and minority men, particularly African-Americans. The answer is well known. The answer is well known in terms of uh, the various morbidities. And they do these studies based on uh, race and sex and all this other stuff. So it's no different with so many of the other illnesses like heart disease and heart attacks and diabetes and so forth which I don't believe we care about as much anymore because I don't hear much about that. Do we, Mr. Producer? I think if we took the amount of times this virus has been talked about and compared it to the amount of times heart disease has been discussed in the last 50 years, uh, won't even come close. Or cancer, in the last 50 years, won't even come close. And yet the carnage that heart disease and cancer, among others, causes in this society is enormous. It's just that it doesn't flood our hospitals all at once. So it doesn't get the attention of the media, that's for sure. Media have a very short attention span. One other thing I want to mention on the side before I get back to this to this uh, uh, document that we've been talking about or that I've been talking about, put out uh, by the government on statistics. Uh, that would be the uh, uh, Division of Vital Statistics. There's a gentleman by the name of Glenn Fine, who the president removed today, who is supposed to be the acting person in charge of the committee overseeing the transparency of the spending of this money. Glenn Fine has been bouncing around in the federal government a long time. The Clinton administration brought him in the inspector general of the Department of Justice early on. I know Glenn Fine. haven't talked to him in half a century, but I know Glenn Fine. We went to the same high school. And he was one or two years older than, than I. And even back then, he was a liberal Democrat. He's always been a liberal Democrat. So when the media get in an uproar, you know why the media are in an uproar. If he had been a conservative Republican all his life, they wouldn't give a damn. There wouldn't be a story. Also, I have to say these press conferences are going on too long, in my opinion. Because we're getting journalists now who basically write down what Schumer and Pelosi and the Democrats say and put those talking points in the form of a question. So whatever the Democrat and left-wing agenda is becomes a question by the press. You can see it every day. You can can, uh, make book on it. Every day. Same damn thing. All right. The reason why this virus and its economic impact, the latter point, the economic impact is so devastating, is it it is devastating the middle class. 
It is devastating small businesses. It is devastating the people who work at small businesses. It is devastating to a large pocket, not pocket, a large population within the country. And so rather than spending trillions and trillions of dollars, which cannot fix this, stop listening to the technocrats. If they're right about the medicine and the science, if they're right about mitigation, then apply it to those to whom it should be applied. Apply it to those to whom it should be applied. You know what's interesting? We have vaccines for the flu. We have vaccines for the flu and anywhere from what? 22 to 80-some thousand people a year die from the flu. Year after year after year after year. There's no state or federal mandate that you have to take a flu shot, a flu vaccine. There's none. There's none whatsoever. Now, I understand this isn't an exact parallel, but it's good enough. Because over a 10-year period, the flu kills at least a quarter of a million Americans. Up to three quarters of a million Americans. That's a lot of people. And the vaccines aren't perfect. But they're better than better than nothing. So, even in a particularly bad flu season, a horrific flu season, with the upper numbers are hit, they don't say mitigate, stay at home, and all the rest of it. I am telling you that our business, I've been hammering this, and hammer, I'm going to keep doing it, that our small businessmen and women and large businessmen and women tell them what the problem is, talk about mitigation, and let them come up with solutions, if they can. We don't even ask them. What's interesting here is I decided today, I haven't lost my place, I'll get back, to buy... The Washington Post, the New York Times, the New York Post, the New York Daily News, the Washington Examiner, the Washington Times, and USA Today. I want to tell you what I found in these papers and what I didn't find in these papers. But before I do that, here's what I want you to hear on the National Vital Statistics System, COVID-19. The code that doctors are to put in are U07.1 for COVID-19. You read all the way at the bottom paragraph. Here's the kicker to me. Should COVID-19 be reported on the death certification only with a confirmed test? The short answer is no. COVID-19 should be reported on the death certificate for all decedents with the disease caused or is assumed to have caused or contributed to death. Assumed to have caused or contributed to death. So if I go into the hospital and I've had three open heart surgeries, or I go into the hospital and I have emphysema, or I go into the hospital and I have a horrific uh, 
case of diabetes or whatever the underlying ailment is. And this disease pushes me over the edge. You are supposed to report it as being deceased, as that person being deceased as a result of the virus. Again, COVID-19, I'm quoting from their document. COVID-19 should be reported on the death certificate for all decedents where the disease caused, got that one, or is assumed to have caused, got it, or contributed to the death. Now, I've been viciously attacked when I said it's not clear to me what standard they're using. I've said it over the last few weeks to determine what somebody actually dies from. If you have, again, horrific heart disease, and you might not survive long anyway, and you get this virus and you die quickly because the virus pushes you over the edge. It attacks your lungs. How How do you score that? How do you statistically report that? Is that a death as a result of heart disease or a death as a result of the coronavirus or both? Well, according to here, it's the coronavirus. Why? So you put in the little code, U07.1 for COVID-19. I don't think anything nefarious is going on. I'm not talking about politics or ideology here. I'm talking about statistics. There's not a single reporter in this country who's pointed this out. Not one. They don't even inquire into these statistics in any significant way. What's the definition of a coronavirus death? It seems to me a very rational question since we've been told that the virus is really, and I, my word, and I said it to Dr. Fauci when I interviewed him, is a very opportunistic virus, at least for the most part, people with serious morbidities and the elderly, which have uh, a weaker immune systems. So let's look at those. So why, so why does the virus kill them? Because they have morbidities and they're elderly and their immune systems are not as strong. Okay, so when they die a particular patient, how do you assign them one code or the other in order to get the statistics for the rest of society to figure this stuff out? You just heard. It's assumed to have caused or contributed to the death. So you code it as a COVID-19 death. U07.1. Now, there's a U07.2 where a lab confirmation is inconclusive or not available. But we're talking about if no test is taken to determine the outcome, then the denominator is affected by the advice that's being given by the federal government, the National Center for Health Statistics, Division of Vital Statistics. That's what I mean about the news media. What news media? What the hell's going on here? Now, I want to suggest something to you, America. And I don't want to be one of these guys. I told you so. I told you six months ago. As long as the Democrats in Congress, the Democrats in the House, and the White House continue to spend wildly 
because deficit spending is an easy thing to do. You don't have to raise taxes. You just keep printing money. The Fed keeps pushing it out there. There's no political downside, none. There's no current political downside, none. You just keep spending because there's no responsibility or accountability for it. Where's the money come from? Well, it just comes. You know, we just print it. But it's needed. We need liquidity. Got to get it into the system. As long as the federal government continues to pass these bills, with unanimous support, pretty much, by Congress, by the executive branch, by Congress, by the Washington establishment, you are creating a disincentive for some of these states that are now hungry with power to open up their economies, to take the foot off the throat of their economies. Because you see, if you're a governor, the political thing to do is to keep telling Washington, like Cuomo does, every press conference that's run on cable TV from beginning to end, I don't even watch him anymore. Now he says, we're in trouble, the states, we have no budget, the federal government has to bail us out. We don't have ventilators, I didn't plan, federal government has to bail us out. Don't have beds, didn't plan, federal government has to bail us out. What a hero, he needs to run for president. Chloroquine, nah, you gotta be a doctor in a hospital because we all know they're smarter than doctors normally, so... You know, no choice there, only when you're boarding. Now today, Cuomo tells us, we have enough beds right now, and we have enough ventilators. Well, what changed in four days? And the media never, you know, the media will spend time talking about what I say. I'm I'm not making public policy. Here you have the guy at the epicenter who is swaying from one extreme to the other, the whole country. He's trying to provide ventilators. The whole country's trying to provide vets. The military is in New York. The Army Corps of Engineers is in New York. Doctors from all over the country. You know, and I think we have enough beds right now, enough ventilators right now. Excuse me? They're not even off the assembly line yet. More when I return. Mark Lovin. If you and your family are finding yourself at home with extra time on your hands these days, I know an excellent way to fill it. Take a free online course from Hillsdale College. Hillsdale offers dozens of online courses on topics, including the U.S. Constitution, economics, history, and literature. Right in your own home, on demand, and absolutely free of charge. Hillsdale students learn the inspiring history of America. Now you can, too, with Hillsdale's newest free online course, The Great American Story, A Land of Hope. Learning and teaching our children about America's past is essential for preserving liberty in the future. Register right now to take this free online course, The Great American Story. It's a production masterpiece, and it paints a picture of America as a land of hope founded on high principles. This course and dozens of others on a variety of topics are available to you and your family for free right now. Go to levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com.
Don't misunderstand. What I'm saying is, as long as the federal government keeps massively deficit spending, a lot of these blue collar, excuse me, a lot of these blue states have less of an incentive to take their foot off the throat of the economy. Because if they take their foot off the throat of the economy, even aspects of it, even parts of it, the media is going to attack them. The health professionals are going to attack them. And if one person dies as a result of this virus, no matter how many ventilators they have, no matter how many beds they have, just as somebody dies of cancer or something else, I mean, it doesn't matter. Sometimes people are going to pass away no matter what you do or what you have. They know there's a downside to that. But as long as they keep saying Washington needs to give us money, Washington needs to take care of our budget, Washington needs loans for small businesses, Washington needs to get money into our state unemployment department so we can get money to the people, Washington, while they're keeping businesses shut, businesses that can indeed function under these circumstances, and some, if not many, already are, you're going to continue to prolong this. I'm not saying the cloud won't eventually lift. I'm saying they are prolonging the economic hardship in this country. And they're being celebrated, these governors. Newsom, Cuomo, others. Just my opinion. Look, I don't have an agenda like the New York Times and the Washington Post, like the New York Daily News, like USA Today, like their op-ed pages and their editorial pages. They see opportunities to centralize government, to grow government, to have more and more of the middle class, small business people and entrepreneurs and the people who work for them reliant on government. And unfortunately, the Republicans are playing right into their hands. I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. New York is using 60% fewer hospital beds than Cuomo projected a week ago. 60% fewer ICU beds than they need. 80% fewer ventilators than they predicted a week ago. This, to me, is inexcusable. You can be off, of course. The other thing that's strange to me is when officials say, we want to pray for those who have passed away from this virus. No, 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 don't get me wrong. I think that's, that, that's a very, very important statement. And we should. But how many people passed away today from heart disease? The nation doesn't think about them. I didn't hear anybody say today, I want to pray today for the nearly 2,000 people who died today from heart disease 
the nearly 1,500 people who died today from cancer. I don't hear this. Do you hear this, Mr. Producer? I want to pray today for the 160,000 people or the 500 and some people who've died today from chronic lower respiratory disease. We don't hear this. Here's an article today. I told you I bought all these newspapers today. I wasted $14, but I decided to buy them anyway and take a look at them the old-fashioned way. This is in the Washington Compost. What a disgusting newspaper. Article to article, section to section. I wouldn't even use this at the bottom of a birdcage if I had a bird. Here's an article on the health and science page. For Alzheimer's, an elusive cure. For a decade, over 200 leads have failed. Today, experts say the disease is more complex than first believed. And they go on. Now, this is a horrific illness, isn't it? Horrific. I'm just taking one example. It was in the paper today. I'd take another one if I could. It's a horrific disease that kills over 120,000 people a year. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. Over 10,000 a month. Every month. Every single month. And it won't go away like this virus over time. We won't quote unquote get through it. Pharmaceutical companies have spent billions and billions of dollars all over the world. And they can't seem to figure out how to deal with this. And they've tried and tried and tried. As the article explains. Roche, Eli Lilly, Biogen, goes on and on and on. They all want to get the fix and help all these people. We never talk about this as a nation. Ever. Ever. And the cost and the infliction to families. Heart disease. So many people have heart disease. So many people over a 10-year period. Six and a half million people die from heart disease. Over 10-year people, six million people die from cancer. I don't hear, you know, let's pray for these people. Nobody's praying for these people except for their families and friends and colleagues. I'm just finding this so weird in so many respects. We're going to now change our entire economic system. Let me tell you, it's changing before your eyes. We're going to destroy 30% of the restaurants in this country. If it goes on two more weeks, 30% of the restaurants in this country, so say the, the, uh, the, the predictors, will not be back. This is why I I appreciate Dr. Burks. I really do, and Dr. Fauci, I really do. Now get off the stage, provide your expert advice to the president, to the vice president, and let's get some decisions made around here that aren't so myopic. Save as many people as you can, but destroying economy destroys human beings. And I don't just mean materially. It destroys them, mentally, physically, in so many ways. How do you know, Mark? 
You know, people think they know me. They don't know me. My enemies think they know me. They don't know me. They create a caricature. Early in my career, I was unemployed for 13 months. 13 months. I told you this. Some of you have had worse. Some of you haven't. You know what it's like to be without money for 13 months? And have a wife and two babies? Where you get up at 2 in the morning and you get in your car and you drive in circles trying to figure out what the hell to do about it? Some of you go on my social sites, you say very, very nasty things. And they're liberals. I don't really care. It's brought to my attention. You know what it's like to go through every penny you've ever earned? Some of you do. To lose your entire pension money, to cash it out at a 10% penalty. To take every penny of equity out of your home. I know what it's like. So when people tell me they're suffering, it gets my attention. I don't believe that suffering can be ended by big government. More times than not, it's caused by big government, whether it's in the states or the federal government. I don't say I want to help people, so now I'm going to embrace socialism and centralized government. I say I want to help people and embrace capitalism and economic growth. Open up the damn economy. Let these small businesses in particular... Let them figure out how to create a, 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 an environment where there's mitigation, plus they can, they can make retail sales, as an example. We know it's possible. You go to the grocery store. You go to the post office. You go to the pharmacy. They're all doing it. You drive through the fast food restaurants. They're all doing it. Who the hell do these governors think they are? So they just all do the same thing. There's a couple who don't, like DeSantis and so forth, and they come under vicious, crushing attack. And the media, disaster, they're asked on the Sunday shows, why don't we have a national shutdown? Are you out of your minds? Do you like to eat? You need something to wipe your backside? Well, guess what? You shut everything down. That doesn't happen. I am scared to death for my fellow citizens, for my friends who have small businesses, who break their asses, whether they're vets, whether they have restaurants, whether they have laboratories, whatever they have, all walks of life, all parts of the country, they're suffering, and not from the virus. They're suffering from government. Why is it that you have to be home to mitigate? It never made any sense to me. They sent home college kids. We talked about this. With their grandparents and their parents. In an enclosed area, in a house. 900 square feet, 1,200 square feet, 5,000 square feet. Breathing the same air. Touching the same surfaces. How does that make sense when it comes to mitigation? It makes no sense. And what do they mean essential workers and non-essential workers? My God, if you don't have a paycheck, 
or you can't pay your mortgage, or you're going to lose your business. You don't care about these, these broad statements from these damn governors. Well, they're not essential. You need to be essential. Well, I'm essential to my family. Food's essential. They like to eat. They want a roof over their head. And the idea that any of us believes that the federal government with this endless, massive printing of money is going to fix this, even temporarily, is bullcrap. Meanwhile, look how they have us behaving. Begging the government, the SBA, for loans. Waiting for our checks. There has been a fundamental transformation of this society. Right before your eyes. Right before your eyes. Now, all businesses can't mitigate under certain circumstances. I believe that. But many can. Maybe most can. Maybe most can. Wear masks. Wear gloves. All over the place where the businesses are allowed to actually operate. Because the government has deigned them essential. They have these plastic shields everywhere. You go into a Costco. Look how they manage it at Costco. It's amazing. There's a big grocery store called Wegmans. Not too far where I live. It's amazing how they manage this stuff. Or the giant supermarket near us. This is regional, I understand. The same people are in there every day putting stuff on the shelves. Same people are cashiers every day. Why aren't they getting this? They aren't getting it because that particular business is mitigating successfully. Well, then copy it. They keep saying, we want to thank the American people for what they're doing. We're doing this because we're ordered to do it. It's not what we want to do. And I'm tired of the games with the science. It would have been 2.1 million dead if we didn't mitigate. That's bull crap. 70,000, 80,000 have died worldwide. We would have lost 2.1 million. What, are they out of their minds? In one, in one day, we go from 2.1 to 100 to 240,000. Two days later, we go down to 82,000. And they're changing our entire world based on their data and these models. And I suggested, why don't we add a few more experts to this? A couple of men in particular who have early on raised questions about this data. Really experts on data. They're out there. Nothing. Nothing. Look at Texas. Look at Texas. Dan Patrick is the lieutenant governor of Texas. He announced today that he's forming a task force from his business advisory council to focus on restarting the economy once the president and Governor Abbott clear the way. He's ready to go. 
He's ready to do it. We don't need a task force with think tank members on it. There are people who've been hanging around Washington, D.C. and New York for it. No, 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 no. We need real men and women to get dirt under their nails, who have to make payroll and so forth and so on. I am tired of listening, I'm just being honest, to Dr. Fauci and Dr. Burks tell me about the economy, what we have to do to flatten the curve. You can't tell me that curve couldn't have been flattened with more and more businesses, now that we know, mitigating. Tell me, have we flattened the curve with all the illnesses that will be created, all the ailments that go untreated? No, we haven't. We've probably created mountains all over the place, and we won't even realize it for a while. I have a question for the Washington Post and the New York Times and ProPubica and... National Pubic Radio, how many people have perished with all kinds of morbidities who didn't see a doctor because the economy has shut down or didn't see a doctor because they were busy on this virus? Tell me, how many of them have died? Heart disease, cancer. Do you know? Not only don't they know, they don't give an F. They don't give an F. Because politically, there's nothing in it. Can't trash Trump with that. The governor of New York pulled assets into his state that he did not need. 60% fewer hospital beds than were called for. 60% fewer ICU beds than were needed. 80% fewer ventilators. Well, Mark, he was just following his experts. Exactly. You can demand more, you can get more, you can pull resources out of other cities and out of states, out of the federal stockpile. I need this, I need this. Panic, every press guy, every day, on and on and on and on. Every day, I need, give me this, I need that. That jackass who's out there buying solar panels when he's supposed to be buying ventilators. 87% popularity in New York. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin'. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. Look at American know-how, University of Virginia, under PPA, what UVA is doing. 
they're starting reprocessing to recycle the N95 mask. The UVA engineering department is making face shields. This is a perfectly good use of an engineering department at a university. Ladies and gentlemen, the, the, the amount of genius, creativity that is in this country is infinite. When you're telling everybody to stay home and collect toilet paper and go on the internet and sing to each other, that may make the people who have jobs in government telling us what to do fine. Here we're mitigating. You know, if we didn't mitigate, we wouldn't be getting it down from 2.1 million to 82,000, ladies and gentlemen. You know that? Well, what about cancer? Not now. What about heart disease? Not now. What about what? Now they're not comparable. Can't talk about those. We're busy. What the hell? There are many things we can do in this country. You're not going to get it from the media. Those bastards don't know anything about the private sector. They hate capitalism. They hate small business. They think you're a bunch of rubes. They hang out at the Hamptons. They hang out with one another. They're all employed. These politicians spending, spending, spending. Been there for decades. They don't know any better. This is all they know. And I know there are people aching out there saying, I can mitigate this. We can handle this. I can serve food in a way that is responsible and safe. Let my people go. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. America's Paul Revere. Call him now at 877-381-3811. You know, uh, computer systems and cars are the new normal, from electronically controlled transmissions to touchscreen displays to dozens of sensors. But all this advanced tech is expensive to fix if and when it breaks, and that's why I have CarShield for our 2010 Camaro. CarShield has affordable protection plans that can save you thousands for a covered repair, including computers, GPS, electronics, and more. With CarShield, you're behind the wheel of your own plan. CarShield has customizable monthly plans with rates as low as $99 a month. You get to choose your favorite mechanic or dealership to do the work, and CarShield takes care of the rest. It is a fantastic service. I can't recommend it strongly enough. Now, CarShield has hoped over 1 million customers, so you drive with confidence knowing you can uh, co- you get coverage from America's number one auto protection provider with rates as low as $99 a month, and you have nothing to lose. Get covered by CarShield today. Where do they go, Mr. Producer? Where do they go if they want to get covered by CarShield today? You know. CarShield.com, code LEVIN. CarShield.com, CarShield.com. 
The Federalist is an excellent site. One of its founders, Sean Davis. How are you, sir? Are you there? Do we have a Mr. Producer? I'm here. Okay, well, I, I don't hear you very well. Do you I'm have him? here. Can you hear me? Now I can. Um, you were the first that I saw that looked at the data that we've been getting, uh, that the data that's been used by, I guess, doctors Fauci and Burks, among others, uh, to provide us with what we are supposed to do, and it was really centralized in New York, New Jersey. Tell us what you found, and tell us what you found in all the states when you took a look at the data coming, I guess, from the CDC, correct? So the data comes out of a, a modeling unit out of the University of Washington called IHME, and last week the White House went and they brought these models out, and they said, these are why we need to lock down, these are why you need to stay at home, this is why the economy is on pause. And when you look at the models at that time, they were horrifying. Just, you know, tens of thousands of ventilators, people overrunning hospitals, all this and that. And these models were taking into account all of these so-called social distancing uh, avenues that we are taking, shutting down schools and businesses, staying home, restricting travel. But when you look at the actual data and compare it to the models, we are nowhere near these scenarios that they said required shutting down the economy. And in many instances, they're five to ten times higher than what we needed. And so from a public policy perspective, I think it's time for our leaders and our politicians at the city, state, uh, federal level to look at what's going on and reevaluate everything we're doing. Hey, is it working? Hey, is it justified? What are the costs? Uh, because shutting down the economy is not a costless exercise. Uh, I, I feel like over the last couple of weeks, we've had a lot of panic and a lot of groupthink and hurting among leaders as opposed to individual analysis of data. And the more data that come in, I think the more we know about this, what the situation looks like and the more confidence we can have in slowly reopening the economy and allowing people to get back to work and get back to normal. How off was the data in some of these states? Oh, goodness. Uh, the, the most ridiculous one I've seen yet is Tennessee, where I think it was 20x offs, which means that they were saying that roughly 6,500 to 7,000 people would be in the hospital today. And this was the model they put out less than a week ago. They said 7,000 people in the state of Tennessee would be in the hospital today. The actual number, 350. And it's not just that, is it? I mean, we, they threw out this number a week ago, about 1.5 to 2.1 million dead if there's no mitigation. Now, two points to you, Sean. What do they mean, no mitigation? Everybody's going to drop dead in the streets and nobody's going to do anything about it, not doctors and hospitals, not individuals themselves, number one. Number two, there's like 80,000 people worldwide who've died. What do they mean 1.5 to 2.1 million? What is the point of putting out information like that? So that is a great question, and it gets to a cliche kind of in the statistics and modeling world that all models are wrong, some models are useful. And I think what you saw from a lot of these models early on, I think the worst example would either be the, the Imperial study out of the U.K., which was predicting 2 million deaths in the U.S. And then there was an organization founded by a bunch of left-wingers called COVID Act Now, where they said, you know what, our goal here isn't to give you accurate data or to project what's going to happen. Our goal here is to scare you into doing things. 
So, uh, you know, I, I don't think all models are doing that. I, there's a, an inherent amount of uncertainty in trying to figure this stuff out with a new virus and a new epidemic. But a, a lot of the stuff we're seeing come out is not meant to give us accurate data for decision-making. It's meant to bully us and extort us into doing certain things. And I think that is what uh, I most resent. All I want to see is real data, because if you don't have real data, you can't make real good decisions. And we're just not getting good data, and I find it incredibly frustrating. New York is now using 60% fewer hospital beds than was projected a week ago, 60% fewer ICU beds, 80% fewer ventilators than they predicted a week ago. And people might say, good, they have what they... That means resources are being moved from other parts of the country or from the Federal Reserve into an area. And those resources, despite how horrible this, this virus is, given the calculations, the modeling, the data, and... and, and Quite frankly, this politician's panicking. This is what you get. And I have a question for... Yeah, go ahead. We're going to get a glut of ventilators that no one's ever going to use about 30, 60, 90 days from now because it's not like those scale up over a day. And I look back over the last two months of advice and uh, instruction we've gotten from our so-called leaders. Uh, first, they said, oh, uh, it, it can't go to humans, can't, no human-to-human transmission. And then it was, oh, well, there's no asymptomatic transmission. And then it was, well, don't wear masks. Uh, and then after that, we've got to lock everything down. What if... Instead of these people saying things they really didn't know, what if in early February everyone had just started wearing masks and people had started scaling up masks? How different would things look right now? And I think the real crisis – there's three crises going on now. There's the health one with the pandemic. There's the economic one. And there's the the crisis and the confidence of our leaders to actually know what they're talking about and know what they're doing. We had the Surgeon General about a month and a half ago saying masks don't work. And when you have people coming out and saying that – People don't hear that and say, oh, well, masks don't work. I shouldn't wear it. They think somebody's lying to me. And as soon as people think the government's lying to them, especially in a pandemic, that's when things start to break down. You know, it's interesting. And it wasn't just him. Before that, people were saying masks don't work. You don't need masks, including two of the doctors we're relying on right now. I got some masks. It's just like when they say uh, you don't need an AR-15. I went out and bought an AR-15. When you're telling me we don't need masks, and yet everyone that I know in the medical field, when they're dealing with patients, they may have issues, they're wearing masks, even surgical masks. It never made any sense to me. So I shouldn't wear a mask? That's just absurd. But here's what I want to talk to you about on the economy. Why is it that when a pandemic happens like this, everybody becomes a central government deficit-spending socialist? In other words, we have businesses today that are mitigating, and that are open. Grocery stores. We have even government offices. The post office. Pharmaceutical companies. Fast food drive throughs Americans are filled with ingenuity. Tell them you want to mitigate certain things that, can be, that need to be done. Why not give some of these businesses a chance? Some of these small, even these restaurants, can. there are so many things that they can do. Instead of the idea that we're going to substitute the private sector and economic activity with massive spending bills over and over and over again is crazy. It is, and it, and it seems so contrary to the American ideal. You know, we, we put a man on the moon. We harnessed the atom. Um, and yet now we're being told actually what we need to do to solve this is you need a cower in your homes, and we need to shut down all the businesses. 
and, and it's so frustrating when you see these officials go and just discard things like the Constitution, discard the, the need to have any sort of fiscal uh, sanity. Now, look, I, I actually think when the government goes and shuts down your business, the government ought to make you whole. But that's not what Congress did. They had a tiny little portion in their bill that was about making us whole and a gigantic portion that was about funding their favorite priorities regardless of a pandemic. And it has just been so disheartening and frustrating to see so many of our so-called leaders panicking, group thinking, and just throwing any and all principles out the window uh, in the face of – in the hope of looking like they're doing something. I don't disagree with your point. If the government's going to put you out of business, it has a responsibility. But the federal government's not the one putting you out of business. And I still agree with your point, but I just want to make another point. I've been thinking about this today. When I saw Cuomo, and it's hard for me to watch my I watched 30 seconds, I had to shut it off. But I watched the 30 seconds where he says, our budget is destroyed. We need federal help. And I thought to myself, there is never going to be an incentive for these governors in these states, particularly these blue states and governors that spend massively and have these ridiculous priorities, there is never going to be an incentive for them to get it right. In fact, there's a disincentive. That is, you can spend money on solar panels instead of ventilators. We'll get to the ventilators. You can spend massive amounts of money on other projects. That's fine. We'll bail you out. We'll take care of you. The federal government will take care of this. That is a huge disincentive to get these state governors to do the right thing. So I think we really need to give this some additional thought before Mitch McConnell and the Democrats and the White House, they're pushing out, they're talking about spending money on small business, quote-unquote. We don't even know the fine print and everybody's for it. They're for what exactly? I don't even know what they're talking about. Anyway, that's just me. you're exactly right. I think that's such a good point. It, you know, it's not my state that went into New York City and said you're a racist if you don't go out to the Chinese uh, New Year parade. It wasn't uh, my mayor who went out and said, uh, in March, go party, at it, party it up downtown. At, at some point, these leaders have to take responsibility for their own actions. But, but you are exactly right. The state and city bailouts are coming next. And what a disincentive that is for these fools to get it right. And I'm not kidding. Well, listen, you guys, at that, I love that site, The Federalists. You guys are doing a tremendous job, and your information was so, so important, and I want to thank you. Thank you for having me on, Mark. It's a pleasure and a privilege. All right, same here. You take care of yourself. Look at this. Look at that. What is this crap paper? I just bought a bunch of The USA Today. Here it is on page whatever the hell it is. Headline, Georgia governor gets flack for reopening biz, uh, beaches. Any governor who starts to weigh what's taking place and decides to open businesses, open beaches, open parks is going to be trashed by the national media, if not by their own media. Trashed. It is stunning to me. Stunning to me. It's true, though. Now, we're going to go through some more of these newspapers just so you can get a feel for what's going on out there. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. Let me, let me show you how the media... The country is severely, severely damaged by this media. Here's the headline in USA Today, front page, center page. 
10,000 Americans dead. Subtitle, Toll Exceeds Battlefield Deaths from Six Wars. I don't ever want to be told again that when I compare this virus to these other diseases, heart disease, cancer, you know, Mark, they're not exact. Look at this comparison. By Joel Shannon. Tell me, jackass Joel Shannon. Let me ask you a question. 650,000 people die a year from heart disease. That's about the number of people who died in the Civil War. How come you don't talk about that? 599,000 people died in 2017 from cancer. Over 400,000 died in World War II. How come, um, our soldiers, how come you don't make that comparison? Or here's another one that'll blow his mind. Approximately, best we can tell, 40,000 people die a year from the CAFE standards. Because cars are lighter, a lot of plastic, a lot of aluminum, not heavy steel cages anymore. Does he write an article saying we need to get rid of CAFE standards because an estimated 40,000 people die? Of course not. Now this is a bad enough virus with people getting sick and dying. We don't need hype from these clowns at USA Today. This is why I bought these papers, to take a look at how, how they're printing this stuff. Unbelievable. Almost as many people die a year from CAFE standards every year that died in the Korean War. Died in the Korean War. Almost as many people die every year from flu and pneumonia who died in the Vietnam War. This jackass doesn't talk about that, does he? Joel Shannon. Because they know what you know and what I know. The country's changing right before your eyes. Any governor that has the power to arrest an individual on a beach all by himself with not another single human being around him, a surfer, is a governor with illimitable power. Any governor, like the one in North Carolina, that has the power to sick the police on protesters less than Tevin, uh, 10 that are protesting an abortion clinic that's killing babies, but they arrest the protesters, that's illimitable power. Any governor that has the power to say that a gun store is not essential, so they shall close. That is illimitable power. Any governor who says you cannot leave your house without a mask, that is illimitable power. And none of these damn rags that call themselves newspapers that claim to support civil liberties has one editorial objecting to any of it. Not one. Not a damn one. Given all that's happening in the world, we've decided to make some changes at Levin TV. Now, I want to be very clear. This is for those of you who are in a position to do it. I would never ask people who are financially suffering, never, to do anything they're not capable of doing. But those who wish to get news and opinion outside the usual news and opinion platforms that care about hearing about the traditions and principles that matter 
Americanism. There's a place for you to go if you wish to join us. And that's Levin TV with the Blaze TV Network. And for those of you who wish to join us and haven't, we're trying to make it more possible for you to do exactly that. And that is why, for the first time ever, we are slashing our subscription price, annual price, from $99 to $69. That's a 30%, $30 cut. Honestly, we can ill afford it, but we want to do what we can do to get the message out and try and keep this country, save this country. These episodes are going to take a lot more time. I'm going to do a special episode once a week. So it takes a lot of time for me to do my prep. Nobody does my prep. I do my own prep for this show and that show and my Fox show. And so it's special once a week program exclusive for Levin TV, Blaze TV subscribers. Now, we're also going to be doing a seven up episode every week. That will air on Thursdays, Thursday nights, right after the radio show, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, on Pluto TV. Pluto TV. If you have a smart TV, you can get Pluto TV or check us out on your handheld device. And we have a special channel, Channel 250. So it'll be Blaze Live, Channel 250. I'm giving you a lot of information. Just stick with me. 9 p.m. Eastern Time, every Thursday night. A new special program on Pluto TV. So to allow us to expand our reach and influence, critical, especially this year, here's what you do. Go to levintv.com, enter promo code LEVIN, levintv.com, promo code L-E-V-I-N. Those of you who can, take advantage of this, please. Get your 30 bucks off. I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, this final hour of the podcast is sponsored exclusively by AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we care about, faith, family, and freedom. Thank you for listening, and please support AMAC. And you can become a member at amac.us slash join. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, Sean Davis was the first one to unravel those, those uh, numbers that were used in that model that's being used by uh, doctors Bricks and Fauci. And they're enormously troubling. And you'll now see cable TV hosts and other radio hosts use it without attributing uh, his research to their broadcasts. This is why we do things a little differently around here. We call it honesty and integrity. I'm just pointing that out. John Solomon, Just the News. He has a great news site called Just the News. He does the same thing in terms of digging deep and getting the information, and people don't give him the kind of attribution that he deserves. So you can be sure here, I try to tell you where I get the information, so you can check it out yourself, so you learn who these people are. Some of you know them already. Same way I write books, where I have hundreds of endnotes at the back of the book, so you can check out the source, 
if you want to pursue the information. Again, we do things a little differently around here. Um, and I would ask the uh, network, satellite, and cable news rooms, if you're going to do a running count of the deaths from the virus, you owe it to the American people to put in context and do a running count of, uh, of the people who die each day from these various uh, maladies. I think it's very, very important. So let's go back to our newspaper, shall we? I mean, I spent 14 bucks, and I don't have a bird to put this at the bottom of their cage. Here's the Washington Compost, top of the page, right side. Trump, Congress, concur on need for new stimulus. Pelosi puts cost at more than $1 trillion. Small businesses and households could get fresh aid. Pelosi wants another trillion, and this is before we get to infrastructure. This is sick. This is sick. Absolutely unbelievable. Rather than opening up the economy, this is what they're going to do. And they're going to need more and more and more and more, because guess what? It's never going to work. Ask the people in Venezuela if this works. Ask them. Ask them if massive printing of money and redistribution of wealth works. Whatever the reason, an injustice, a closure, whatever the reason, we have an alternative, ladies and gentlemen. We have an alternative. It's called capitalism. We have an alternative. Allowing businesses that haven't completely gone broke, allow them to open under certain circumstances where they can mitigate like other businesses have. It just amazes me. I get in the car a lot during the day, these days, and I drive around and check things out. And my wife says, where are you going? What are you, what are you doing? I do a lot of thinking. It was kind of handed down from my dad. I want to see different places, how they're operating, particularly now. The Home Depot type stores and Lowe's stores, Ace Hardware, they're all open. All of them. Major grocery chains, they're all open. Costco, Walmart, open. 7-Eleven, open. Every fast food drive-thru, open. Pizza places, of the chains anyway, open. How are they doing it? Dunkin' Donuts, open. How are they doing it? Limiting the number of people who come in. Have the plastic shields. Masks. Gloves. Wiping down uh, surfaces constantly. It can be done. Rather than bankrupting the country. It's very easy for an administration or a Congress today to spend trillions and trillions and trillions. There's no consequence. It's all funny money. It's all good. They, and, and then when I hear this line, we're going to take care of the small business people. We're going to take care of the people who don't have jobs. We're gonna t- I don't want you to take care. I want you to let us free again. But these governors won't do it. And as soon as they even think about it, you know, and I think I'm going to open the beaches. Look at that bastard. He's going to get everybody killed. Or DeSantis. He didn't close his state down fast enough to accommodate the New York Times and the Washington Post. And yet Florida's not New York and New Jersey. Next one. Still the Washington Compost. This is what the the morons in and around Washington, D.C. who want to rule our lives read. The Washington Compost. Trump relies on impulse to push for unproven drug. Trump relies on impulse? Now, ladies and gentlemen, we're all fairly intelligent. 
We know all the stories out there. They're all over the place of people who have taken this drug, this hydroxychloroquine, in addition with the antibiotic, and how so many people have benefited from it. Nobody's saying everybody should take it, and you still have to have a doctor prescribe it. It's not over-the-counter, you know, like uh, birth control pills and condoms that are very popular, I understand, over there at the Washington Post. No. You still have to have a doctor oversee this entire thing. And, And they trash Trump because Trump is bringing it up. Many people, including me, quite frankly, wouldn't even know about any of this. But for the fact that the president has raised it. The president, he's right. And if this can help 80% of the people who have this virus and are quite sick, what the hell's wrong with it? And notice there's no, there's no comment here in the Washington Compost that we at the Washington Compost, we want our readers to know that we will never take these drugs under any circumstance. And we want the people that, that own the Washington Compost, that is Mr. Bezos, uh, he wants you to know that he's never going to take these drugs. And he's never going to allow his employees to take any of these drugs. Philip Rucker, Robert Costa, Lori McGinley, and some Josh Dawsey, the uh, four-circle journalists there. That's a big deal. That's on the front page. Because, you know, Trump, what the hell does Trump know? Outrageous what they do to this president. Page A7 at the top. Trump calls it a game changer, the article. But the science is unclear. Two articles on Trump and this medicine. Here are the facts about hydroxychloroquine and its sister drug. So Christopher Rowland, who doesn't know S, is telling us the facts. And then they tell us why Trump keeps touting it. They haven't interviewed Trump. Trump's not quoted in this piece. Then you turn the page. There's A8. Fight against age shaped Burke's Fauci for current battle. A massive article by Michael Cranish, if that is his name, telling us how magnificent these two doctors are. You can't question them. These other experts out there, no, no, no. These doctors are unbelievable. There's nothing like them. They're the experts' experts. And we should listen to everything they say and do everything they say. Well, you know, um, I don't think we have to do everything they say. Because they're focused on one area of society. It's a very important area. But one area of society. Now I look at the Washington Times, the real newspaper in the Washington, D.C. area. And I go to the the op-ed opinion page. And there's Richard Ron, an accomplished man. Chairman of the Institute for Global Economic Growth and Improbable Success Productions. This is a man who served in the Reagan administration enormously successful in the advice that he gave President Reagan, among others. And he has a piece here. Government ownership of airlines, a really bad idea. Do you know the Republicans support government ownership of airlines? But don't worry, it'll all go down okay because the Republicans run the administration. Really. And among other things, he says the, the proper role of government, excuse me, That's not the virus. That's cholera, Mr. Producer, so don't get nervous. No, I'm just kidding. The proper role of government is to set the rules for private enterprises to follow. 
which is the body of legislative and common law that businesses must comply with, and to make sure property rights and individual liberties are secure and fairly enforced. You see, ladies and gentlemen, government owning private businesses is completely contrary to the Declaration of Independence and the purpose of the Constitution. Private property rights was one of the reasons we had an American Revolution. Taxes, among other things. And now we have advisors to the President and Republicans in the House and Senate who think this is a swell idea. A swell idea. He says, in 2008 financial crisis, the government took an equity stake in both GM and Chrysler. Those two companies received cheap money from the government, putting Ford at a competitive disadvantage because Ford had committed the sin of managing its finances better. Eventually, the government sold its stakes in GM and Chrysler at a big loss because of bad timing. Chrysler eventually was sold to the Italian auto company Fiat. Not a great success story. To understand the proper role of government, think of sports leagues like the NFL. The NFL office operates separately and independently from the teams. The league sets the rules for the game, provides the referees, and makes sure the rules are enforced. For all the obvious reasons, it would be inappropriate for the league to own any of the teams or for league officials to sit on the boards of individual teams. The conflicts of interest would doom the enterprise. The history of government ownership or even partially owned enterprises is not a good one. Decades ago, many airlines were owned by individual countries either in part or whole. Those so-called national carriers most often underperform both financially and in customer service. As a result, most of them have been privatized. There are many ways to offset the damage to the air carriers and to keep them viable. Government equity ownership in airlines is always a disaster. I think what the administration is missing is some serious free market capitalists rather than guys like Navarro, Mnuchin, a liberal Democrat, and others, who really see no problem with massive government control and intervention and spending. And the only counterweight in the administration of this is the president himself, who instinctively knows that that's not a very good course to take. But I'm concerned about the kind of advice that he's receiving. Because you're going to see the most massive growth of government power, not just spending, in American history and in a Republican administration with a Republican majority Senate. That's why the Democrats refuse to accept anybody who dares to question some of these models and Fauci and Burks, or excuse me, Bricks, sorry. And if we continue to follow Fauci and Bricks when it comes to Mitigation. There's mitigation, folks, and there's mitigation. Look, let me put it to you this way. We can shut down the entire economy and tell everybody to stay in their house, and maybe three people will die. But who wants to live in a police state? I mean, there are ways to do these things, you know. Now let's move over. Move over to. And by the way, uh, two things I want to mention quickly in the New York Slimes as I was paging through, and I rarely ever go to the obituary section. Three prominent people have passed away, and you wouldn't even know it. 
Remember the uh, television show, The Virginians? Many of you are young and don't know that. Well, one of the actors in there, actually the best looking of the bunch, named James Drury, very cool guy. Well, he died yesterday. He was 85 years old, and he played in a lot of westerns. Ever hear of a tremendous baseball player? I'm sure they have in Detroit. One of the greatest. Played for the Detroit Tigers. Al Kaline. Al Kaline died yesterday. He was 85 years old. A tremendous home run hitter. Another death. Many of you football fans, particularly in the Washington, D.C. area, may not be aware that Bobby Mitchell, a great Hall of Famer, he was the Redskins' first black star, first black superstar. He died. He was 84 years old. Thought you'd want to know. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead, A-M-A-C dot U-S. There's a site called JustFacts.com, which is pretty interesting. Some very, very serious and intelligent people over there with all kinds of excellent backgrounds. They say reported cases of this flu don't include people who may have the flu, excuse me, of the virus, but have not yet been diagnosed because its incubation period is 2 to 14 days. The number of people who have been infected could substantially exceed the number who have been diagnosed. And I would add because everyone's not tested as well. And they say also the vast majority of people who contract the virus experience only mild or no symptoms. Many of them may never be diagnosed. This means that the count of reported cases further understates the actual number of people who've been infected. A February 2020 study in the Journal of the American Medical Association based on data from China, which of course is problematic, found 81% of reported cases are mild. A rare case in which asymptomatic cases can be counted is the Diamond Princess cruise ship, and a lot of people focused on this, experts. Since all passengers, every one of them was tested. Among those tested positive, 51% didn't have symptoms uh, when they were tested. The number of those people who later developed symptoms is currently unavailable. Conversely, the number of people who've ever been infected may greatly exceed the number who are still infected, Growing numbers of people who were once diagnosed with the virus have recovered, and the count of those who were unknowingly infected 
and have in fact recovered is mostly, I mean, is likely enormous. A March 2020 paper in the journal Microbes and Infection notes that most infected individuals appear to be able to recover with little or no medical intervention. March 2020 paper in the Pediatric Infectious Disease Journal states preliminary evidence suggests children are just as likely as adults to contract the virus, but they are less likely to be symptomatic. And even those who diagnosed infections typically recover in one to two weeks. The upshot of all this is that the number of people who are actively infected and contagious is lower than the total of reported and undiagnosed cases. Now, we've been talking about this for week after week after week. Now, what's the point of that? The point of that is the death rate. The death rate. All you're getting now is an absolute number. Something like 13,000 right now. You're getting an absolute number. You don't know what that means. There's no context with these other illnesses and diseases that cause death, which I've been trying to provide. And when it's put next to a number that says diagnosed cases, that is an extremely misleading, if not dishonest, comparable. Because there's nothing comparable about it. Those are diagnosed cases. So we have about 2 million people, slightly under 2 million people who've been tested in the entire country. We have approximately 13,000 who are said to have died from this disease, this virus. And I've also explained how the numbers of the deaths are being calculated. This is not to say, I've probably said this a trillion times. Obviously, I'm emphasizing it, but over and over again, that you shouldn't be careful, that you shouldn't mitigate in your own lives, that it isn't serious. It is serious. It's particularly seriously for the elderly and those with these morbidities. We've talked about it over and over and over again, but we're looking at the numbers and the models that are being presented to us by medical journals, by scientific journals, by data experts, and then we're looking at an economy that's being destroyed and ought not be destroyed. I'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead, A-M-A-C dot U-S. Mark Levin, Liberty's General Patton. Call into the Mark Levin Show now at 877-381-3811. Now, ladies and gentlemen, 
I want to thank you for listening to this show, and I want to tell you why it's worthwhile. Day after day, week after week, month after month. Well, I was on the air early in the uh, first half hour of the show pointing out the document I found dated March 24th in which the infectious statistic green eye shade counters stated that doctors are to use a new code for the coronavirus uh, if a death is suspected to have involved the virus, even if it wasn't the main cause of the death and so forth and so on. In other words, it is the, the fallback code that be entered into the system for the statistics. She just admitted this. And Britt Hume just tweeted out an hour ago, well, Dr. Burks just said it. Anyone in the U.S. who dies with COVID-19, regardless of what else may be wrong, is now being recorded as a COVID-19 death. I have been talking about this week after week after week. I've had at least two left-wing media outlets attack me for even daring to suspect there's a problem because I couldn't get the definition or get the standard that they were using then I found the March 24th document, which was on the official government site that said as much. And now she, the doctor, admits it during the course of the news conference when I'm on the air explaining it. I'm not saying that's why she admits it. I'm saying there have always been two issues with me on this death rate. Number one, it is not honest to talk about the death rate in conjunction with the diagnosed rate. Because the denominator is understated by a factor of millions. Well, not millions, by, by a, a multifold factor. That is, millions are left out of the equation. Number two, I have asked over and over again, what's the definition of somebody dying or the standard of the coronavirus? How are they entering it? It's a practical question. A doctor has to make a decision. They have to take out their laptop. Or have the scribe take out the laptop. And they have to enter the code. So what code do you enter? If somebody comes in with severe heart disease, they had three bypasses. And they're very ill. Or emphysema, and they're already very, very ill. Maybe they have a month, two months. And they get this virus and they die because the virus really kicks them over the edge. How is it coded? It is coded as a death by coronavirus. This matters when these numbers are being thrown at us. Again, it is not in any way to diminish the seriousness of this that in our own lives we should mitigate and so forth. What I'm trying to do is get the facts out so we the people can make honest decisions. The president doesn't even have this information unless he's been told this. Same with the vice president. Now open up the damn economy. These businesses know how to mitigate, and they will mitigate. These governors, with their foot on the throat of their businesses, small, medium, and large, are putting people out of work. They're bankrupting people. I don't care how many GD trillions Congress spends. These loans are not making these businesses profitable and productive. They're really sort of welfare payments, to be perfectly honest with you. We don't need the administration or Congress, quote-unquote, to take care of us. We need them 
to give us our liberty back. These businesses will figure out how to mitigate. And if they can't, then the governor can keep them shut. But many of them can. And many of them do. And many of them will. And stop treating every metropolitan area, every town, as if it's New York City or Northern Jersey. Pour the resources into where they need to go. And apparently we are. And Governor Cuomo there with hat in hand because he doesn't know how to run his state. We don't have enough ventilators. Now they don't need all the ventilators. We don't have enough beds. Now they don't need all the beds. What a jerk. Didn't order enough ventilators in the first place. Mr. Solar Panels. And by the way, what is with the TMZ pictures? Did you see that, Mr. Producer? What's going on with this guy's... I, I don't even like saying it on there. What, you know, what's at the end of your breast? Do you understand what I'm saying? May I put it that way? What, 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 what did he do there? Are those true pictures, Richie V? Are those real pictures? Let's hope they're not. And what kind of excitement do you get out of doing that to your body? Again, I can't testify to this. I can't vouch for it. Everybody knows TMZ never lies, of course. The pictures always tell the truth. But I do notice he's dressing better now. He's not wearing like a sports shirt. You know, where you can actually see stuff? He's wearing like a suit and a tie. Know what's going on there. You know, if, if it were Donald Trump, it'd be all over, uh, all over the New York Times front page. Joe Scarborough would be slobbering all over him. And by the way, have you ever seen a bigger reprobate than this Joe Scarborough? You know what he's going to say every day. He wakes up. He wakes up stupid. He wakes up with a low IQ. As his uh, darling wife. Two dummies in a pod. Two dummies. All they know is politics. All they know is ideology. That's all they know. They don't know anything else. And so they apply their ideology to what's going on, no matter what's going on. So when you combine stupidity with a perverse ideology, you get the morning schmo show. In fact, you get all of MSNBC. Now, if I was able to dig out how they are logging in the coronavirus deaths in these hospitals, every news service in America could. And not one of them did. None of them. Instead, it's Trump, Trump, try. I just read to you a number of these newspapers, their headlines. Trump this, Trump that. Trump should have known five years ago. His assistant knew in January. Trump that. All I know is the guy who's working the hardest and been most successful is getting ventilators and beds and the Army Corps of Engineers, the United States military, getting companies to do this, getting that. Guys meet with the governors, coordinate. We've never, ever seen a president conduct himself like this. And I mean this in a fabulous way. Doesn't mean I have to agree with his economic policies lately. And here's what I know about Donald Trump. He loves this country. He loves you. He loves the people of this country. He's trying to do everything humanly possible to respond to what's going on. I just think he needs a little bit more import than uh, 
than this Dr. Burks and Dr. Fauci. I don't think they should exclude them or anything like that. But you want to get down to a level of a behavior that has less deaths, and people still will get cancer, still get heart, still get all these horrible things, then just uh, shut down the economy forever. And you know what happens? You get North Korea. You get North Korea. That whole country shut down. Not a lot of socializing going on there, not a lot of restaurants, you know, not a lot of sporting events. It's a dead country. Dead. Just saying. Let me see if I can pull up a, a caller here or two. Our call screen's down because the place that uh, I won't give you into my world. If you got into my world, you'd, you'd, you'd absolutely go nuts. All right, let's see here. We've got, pick one who's been waiting the longest. Let's go to Stephen, Blairsville, Georgia. XM Satellite, excuse me, go right ahead. Hey, Mark, how are you? I'm all right. How are you, sir? I'm good, thank you. Huge fan, and I love your show. Thank you. So what I just wanted to say uh, real quick, going back to what you said earlier about businesses, you know, finding creative ways to uh, To mitigate open what's going on. Well, yes. I work for Sherwin-Williams, the uh, paint company, and we we recently had it to where we could have no more than 10 people in the store, but now nobody's allowed in the store, but we do curbside service, kind of like a lot of the fast food places are doing. We don't accept any cash at all. We take, when someone wants to pay us for the, their paint or whatever they're buying, we bring it out to them. They, we have the number posted on the door. They call us, and we put in their debit card or credit card information and send them on their way. Uh, see, see, perfect. Uh, there's another place I saw what they do is out the fast food window, they, they, they extend the sort of the portable credit card device that, that takes the information, and you put the card in yourself and you remove the card yourself. They're wearing the gloves. It's a fast food place. And when they give you the food, they have a large plastic container, sort of a, a Rubbermaid-type container. They put the food in. They, 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 they reach out with the container. You take the food and they pull it. I mean, we'll figure this out. Don't bankrupt us. We'll figure that. And we don't want your damn uh, deficit spending money. Don't turn us into welfare recipients. Let us open our business. Let us figure... I have a buddy who owns, owns a restaurant in Florida. I'm not going to get in all the... And I was thinking, how would I run that business? He's got a tiki bar outside. He's got an inside, inside area, too. Now, I'm no expert, but what I would do in terms of the mitigation is he's got a fairly large area out there. He could have, uh, uh, he could have 10, even 20 people there, you know, like a grocery store, spread them out 10 feet apart. Uh, his waiter or waitress, if he even wants them, that can wear the proper uh, protection the way they do at grocery stores when they're putting stuff in the shelf. Or better yet, have a table out there where they bring the food, and it doesn't have to be a big menu. It can even be hot dogs, hamburgers, whatever, uh, you know, crabs, cake sandwich, whatever it is. Put it out there in aluminum foil. Put it out on the table. The people pick it up, and that's it. You can run that restaurant. Now, you won't be at 100%. But you're not going to go broke either. I, I mean, and I don't even know, I'm not even in the restaurant business. I'm just thinking out loud. Why not let these people do these things? Terrible. Exactly. And by the way, you know, if you lived in my state, that would not be essential. You know, paint. Wouldn't right. be essential. Exactly. You wouldn't even be open. Exactly. I sometimes, uh, well, I mean, I'm glad and I'm happy I'm still able to work. But I do wonder, 
you know, why. But like I said, I'm not going to complain that I'm still fortunate enough to be working. I'm not going to complain about that at all. No, you know, I'll tell you what, you're, you, everybody who's working and the poor people have been put out of work, again, it's not your fault that you're not working. And uh, those who are working really are, are in some ways very heroic. Guys like you, you know, you're prepared to be out there and so forth. I'm going out. I have heart disease. I've had bypass. You know, I have asthma. I've had pneumonia in the past and uh, other things in the past. I'm not stupid. I'm not going out there shaking hands, hugging people, you know, uh, uh, passing saliva from one person to the other, putting my hands on stuff. But I, I'm going around and I'm watching things. And I have a little bottle of hand sanitizer with me the entire time, constantly using it, uh, not putting my hands on stuff, not getting close to people, and I'm functioning. You know, I could croak tomorrow, I guess, but I'm, I'll just be one of the one of the one, I guess, of, of many. But, but I'm functioning, not doing stupid stuff. But functioning, and this is why I'm, I get ideas when I drive around and I say, why not? I'm, I'm looking at these strip malls, and they're all out of business with the government, governor's sign they have on their door. Uh, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just shocked. Again, there are some businesses that, 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 that may not be in a position to be able to mitigate, but there's so many that can. All right, Steve, thank you for your call. We'll be right back. Mud Lovin'. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America, now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Former Secretary of Defense Jim Mattis issued a rare public rebuke of the president who fired Glenn Fine, the Pentagon Inspector General, charged with overseeing implementation of the coronavirus stimulus package. See, Barack Obama was filing inspectors general left and right. Some of them he left open for his crony, corrupt administration. Donald Trump's the only president in American history who's not allowed to have his own personnel. So I would say to Mr. Mattis, thank you for your service, but since your service, go screw yourself. And I say that with all due respect. Who gives an S what you have to say about this? I happen to know Glenn Fine as a young man, and he was a liberal Democrat. He, maybe he's changed and so forth and so on, but yes, the president is allowed to have his own staff. You know, Jim Mattis, that's called republicanism. It's called elections. I just thought I might remind you. I have a question to these governors who've shut down their states. What is your plan to open your state? What's your plan? I hear Cuomo pontificating with his uh, carbon 
mouth print all over the place going on and on. We need this. We need the feds. The fed, the Trump, they, I, I, give me the, I, I want, I need, I need, I want. Uh, uh, wait, where are the solar panels? I mean, where are the ventilators? Somebody's going to make up our budget to shortfall. The feds, they're going to make up the budget. What is your plan, clown, to open your economy? You got a big state. Upstate, more rural areas, suburban areas. What is your plan, clown? What is your plan to open up your state? He has no plan, and no damn reporter is going to ask because they don't want to open it up. And I would ask the feds, where's your guidelines to open business in the states? Where's your guidelines? What are your guidelines? They have none. We're being driven like sheep. But don't worry, we're going to spend money. They're going to take care of you out there. And many of you have fallen for it. Yeah, good, finally, God bless. What you should be saying is, I can mitigate this. Let me free. Let me run my business. Let me keep my people. I can mitigate this. Unless you honestly can't, that's a different story. Do you wish that double chin would just disappear? Newsflash, ladies and gentlemen, people look at your jawline, it simply tells your age. You know what's amazing? When I do commercials on this program, they say, there he is, doing commercials in the middle of news. I just open all these newspapers. They all have commercials. Ladies and gentlemen, we salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, emergency personnel, all you folks who are helping us. God bless you, all you folks. I cannot thank you enough, and I'll see you tomorrow, and God bless you. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.